The book of Ruth. Um, maybe some of, you, some of you this morning are like, man, did he have a bad night's sleep or something last night? No. Uh, hey, when, when God puts something on your heart, you, you got to say it. Uh, and may that be an encouragement to all of you as well. If the Lord's impressing something on your heart, don't, don't stay quiet about it. Uh, but the book of Ruth, um, I, you know, as I was thinking about... Uh, Something well. First of all, um, really good news for for those of you that uh, know. My wife is in New York, and I'm home with the two little boys. Guess what? My boys are still alive. Praise the Lord! <laughs> but it's only day two, and we got till next Saturday. So, um, anyways, be praying for my wife. I know she misses me terribly. <clears throat> I think it's the other way around. Um, the book of Ruth is in the Old Testament. Joshua, Joshua, Genesis. That's not the first book in the Bible. Close. Just, just find the one that starts with R. Not Romans. We're definitely not in Romans. Um, as you're turning there, let me just recap where we were last week. Um, uh, the first couple of verses give us kind of the context of of the book of Ruth, right? The book of Ruth, the author is unknown. The time frame of when the book of Ruth was written was during the period where uh, judges ruled Israel. And uh, it says in the opening verses, it says that there was a famine in the land. And so uh, being that there was a famine in the land, we meet this family, this, uh, this Israelite family who uh, kind of takes things into their own hands, takes matters into their own hands. And so Elimelech, we meet, is the, the leader of the pack, right? He, he's, he's the father, the husband. He's married to Naomi. Um, who is obviously his wife, but they have two sons. Uh, remember their names, Malon and Chilion, <laughs> sickness and failing, don't name your kids that. Um, but Elimelech makes the decision to go off to Moab. Now, if you remember Moab, Moab was a pagan country. It was where they worshipped idols. Uh, it's modern-day Jordan. and it, So they went off because, because they wanted to take matters into their own hands. The Lord wasn't blessing the land at the time because of Israel's disobedience. And so Elimelech says, we're out. We're going. We're going to Moab. There's, there's food out there. I, you know, I know we probably should stay here and trust the Lord, but we're headed to Moab. We're headed to this pagan country because we know we'll find food there. Uh, and as they get there, uh, the two sons, uh, they meet two Moabite women. Uh, now, an Israelite and a Moabite we're not supposed to be together. 
Uh, it was a big no-no according to God's standards in Scripture. And uh, so they marry these two women. After some time, we don't know how, how long it was, uh, but Elimelech ends up dying. And then his two sons end up dying. And there happens to be a place where Naomi is working in the field and she hears that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and she says, we're going back. And so uh, the first time she says, we're going, we're going back, she encourages Orpah, who is one Moabite woman, and Ruth, who is the other Moabite woman, to stay, to, to stay in the pagan country, not to go back with, with her, and they argue against it. They say, nope, we're going with you. And then the second time comes around, Orpah ends up going back. But Ruth, as we read in that final chapter last week, clung to her. And this is where we pick up this morning. So if you would all stand as we read the word of God uh, together, starting in vi- first, first, whoa, what is happening? <laughs> verse 15 going to 22 um, if you don't have a Bible it'll be up on the screen if you would like a Bible there are some Bibles on the back or if you have an iPhone you can easily pull up a Bible that way uh, verse 15 it says and she said see your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods return after your sister-in-law but Ruth said do not urge me to leave you or return from following you for where you go I will go And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. Verse 19, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this... No, Naomi? She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem, At the beginning of barley season. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. God, I pray that you would uh, minister to our hearts. Lord, you, you know how we need to be ministered to. God, you know what everyone is experiencing in their life this morning, God. And I pray that you would just meet them where they're at. Whatever difficult season they find themselves in, Lord, I pray that you would remind them that you are a provider, that you are a sustainer, and that you love them deeply. No matter how far they've gone away from you, just like we read about Naomi and her family, Lord, you're always calling us to come back. And so, Lord, I pray that you would call people to come back to you this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in advance, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Naomi fills Ruth in almost as if Ruth doesn't know the choice that Orpah has made with wanting to go back to Moab. And in verse 15, she says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her God. So why don't you just return with her? See, Orpah's choice, I so badly want to say Oprah, but it's not, it's not Oprah. It's Orpah's choice was to go back to Moab, to this pagan country. 
she was faced with a choice. I either stay in, in the desert with these pagan gods, the pagan gods that I've grown up with that always leave me empty, or I choose to go to the land of the living God, Israel. By her actions, though, uh, she ultimately is showing that she chose to serve the gods of Moab. She chose to worship idols rather than to worship the one true God. In verse, uh, Joshua 20, 24, verse 15, uh, Joshua, speaking to the people of Israel, he says, And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Point number one, what is my choice? See, I, I, normally when I'm preparing my sermons, I'll write your, because I'm obviously speaking to you. But when you write it down, when you say my, I believe it takes a whole different, uh, gives us a whole different perspective. Uh, because you and I are faced with a choice. But when I ask myself the question, what is my choice? It becomes personal. So don't just listen to this sermon like it's a generalized sermon. Like, yes, in a sense it is, but make it personal. It's for you. God is speaking to you through his word this morning. But just like Orpah, we have a choice to make. Either to serve the one true God or to serve the gods of our day. At the end of the day, though, and Jesus makes this abundantly clear in the Gospels, you cannot serve both. You cannot serve pagan gods. You cannot worship idols and serve the living God. You have to make a choice. You either serve the living God, which is much better, or you serve the pagan gods, which will leave you empty and miserable. So take your pick. But you have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. See, the gods of our day may not look like statues, although there are some statues around that people worship. But the gods of our day may look like money, Sex, self, drugs, materialism, the pursuit of happiness, or the desire to be known. These can all become gods in our lives. We can end up worshiping these things. And we may not see these things as a bad thing, but they can take the place of God without us really even knowing. And so we have to be cautious about how much emphasis we're putting into these things. Some of these things are, are not bad. But they can creep in and they can start causing our, our mind to shift, our, our attention to shift off of God and onto gods, onto this idol. See, Ruth decided, in contrast with Orpah, she decided to serve Naomi's God, the one true God, the living God. In verse 16 through 18, it's one of these famous verses, if, if you will. Uh, it says, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there will, there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. See, Ruth's statement echoes the rest of Joshua 24, verse 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And you can see that decision being made through Ruth by going to Bethlehem, not hanging out with the pagan gods. And ultimately, in in this verse, we see a deep friend-to-friend commitment, but it was much more than that. It was much more, uh, more than a bonding that happened. Ruth ultimately chose to forsake the pagan gods she grew up with. She didn't realize there was another, another God who this other God was actually the one true God until Naomi came around. And you can imagine spending 10 years with, with each other. Uh, she would have been curious. Where are you from? What is your land all about? What gods do you serve? And Naomi would have said, we don't serve gods. We serve the one true God. See, she would embrace the God of Israel and the same God that Naomi was following. And she makes the statement, your God will be my God. But let's face the facts from what we've already read. Naomi was hurt. She was broken. She had pain. You would feel the same way if you lost your husband and two sons. She was hurting. She was broken. But she still chose to honor and love the Lord. Despite being in pain, despite being in brokenness, despite being, even at the tail end of this verse, despite being bitter towards her circumstance, she still chose to honor and love the Lord, which would ultimately impact Ruth. And let me tell you this. When you choose to honor and love the Lord in spite of whatever is going on in your life, it will impact another person. In the middle of your pain, if you are faithfully committed and devoted to following Christ, it will impact another person around you. And ultimately, Ruth found herself wanting her God to be the same God as Naomi's. But Naomi still had pain. And maybe some of you have the same pain this morning. Maybe you've lost loved ones. Maybe you've uh, been uh, financially strapped. Maybe you fill in the blank, you know where you're at. But here's my point number two. God does not waste my pain. Amen? He doesn't waste what you go through. No matter what hurt you might be experiencing this morning, no matter what pain you might be facing this morning, he's not going to waste it. He's going to use it for something. Listen to this. Even during your pain... You, you and I are still a witness for Christ. Uh, you don't get to decide when your witness hat comes off. It stays on. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a witness through thick and thin, through hell or high waters, through easy times, through not so easy times. You are a witness for Christ. Naomi didn't realize it then, but the pain that she went through caused Ruth to come to the Lord. Not only that, but for history to be changed through one woman. Now, the book of Ruth wasn't written yet when they were going through what they were going through. Naomi couldn't see that this would uh, potentially change the outcome of the whole world. Uh, It would have been nice if God would have given them the book of Ruth before they actually had to go through all this. But it wasn't there. Uh, Naomi wouldn't know that, that Matthew would have uh, incorporated Ruth into the genealogy of Jesus. She didn't even uh, really know Jesus at the time. But her pain served a purpose. I love what Jerry Bridges says. He says, God never allows pain without a purpose. Amen? See, there is always a purpose for your pain. 
Maybe some of you have gone through uh, a miscarriage or, 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 or an abortion. Listen, those two things are painful. But listen, God can use you to encourage another who is going through the same thing. Just ask some of the 40 days for life people. God can use that pain. <laughs> but what about the pain of a ruined reputation because of rumors? God can use you to encourage those who have had lies spread about them. Maybe your reputation have been, has been totally dismantled because of something that has happened. Listen, God's not going to put that to waste. God is going to use that pain in order to serve a greater purpose. Or what about the pain of a loved one dying? We've all been in that place before. We've all been in that place where we have lost a loved one, whether it's a close family member, a friend. Listen, God can use you to comfort those who might be experiencing that same pain today with the same comfort that you have been comforted by God with. See, Jesus went through excruciating pain for you and I. See, if anyone has gone through pain, it was Jesus. Jesus went through pain, and so what we have to go through in this life doesn't amount to what Jesus went through for us. Now, I'm not downplaying what you're going through, but have perspective. Jesus went through an intense amount of pain, yet it was used in such a powerful way. Jesus went through physical pain. He was sacrificed for you. His back beaten, his hands and feet pierced with nails, a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was spit at and he was mocked. Why? Because of his love for you. See, his pain served a greater purpose. God isn't going to waste your pain. His pain, Jesus' pain, was used so we could be forgiven, restored, redeemed if we come to him by faith. There's another thing I want you to note on this as well. Pain doesn't last forever in God's economy. That's good news this morning. Pain doesn't last forever. Psalm 30, verse 5, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Listen, weeping, weeping accompanies many painful nights. We've all had those nights where our tears ultimately have become our food. Psalm 42, verse 3, David even says, day and night I have tears for food. He was in the midst of pain. He had people chasing after him. Even his own son Absalom was chasing after him. How painful do you think that must have been? To have your own son trying to kill you. But David even wrote, weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. You may be in the season right now of, of weeping and, and seeing that your, your tears have become your food. But listen to this. God sees, God knows, and God hears, and God heals. God will not waste your pain. He will use it for your good and his glory. Romans 8, 28. And we know. Did you catch those three verses, or three words? And we know. He is writing with complete confidence. He is saying, and we know. We know it's going to work out. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Did you catch that? All things your life may be a train wreck right now, but this promise is for you. All things work together. But then there's a condition. For those who are called according to the purpose. Right? Love God and are called according to the purpose. His purpose. 
Maybe you don't love God this morning and you're wondering why nothing seems to be working out for my good. Love God. Love God and you will find that you are called according to his purpose. Number three. Compromise will not win a soul to Christ. Compromise will not win a soul to Christ. Naomi knew the God of Israel, yet she compromised by staying in Moab for 10 years. We don't know how how long it was before her husband died, but she made her home in a pagan country. She compromised. In those 10 years, uh, Naomi's compromise never made Ruth confess her allegiance to God. Do you know when Ruth confessed her allegiance to God? It was when Naomi decided to go back, to go back to where God was, to go back to Bethlehem, the house of bread. It was only when she decided to return to the Lord. And you may know the Lord this morning, but if you're compromising one foot in the world, one foot in the Lord, listen, you will never convince someone to come to Christ. You're either fully committed to Christ without compromise or you're off in the world doing whatever feels pleasurable in the moment. You have a choice. Love what Spurgeon said about this verse. He says, you will never win any soul to the right by a compromise with the wrong. It is is a decision for Christ and his truth that has the greatest power in the family and the greatest power power in the world too. It is only when we take a bold stand for Jesus that we will convince somebody of their need for Christ. Not when you're compromising, not when you're goofing off with the, the, the world's, uh, you, know, you know where I'm going. <laughs> so what does it look like for a follower of Jesus to compromise? Wishy-washy faith. See, one minute you're in church with your hands raised, you're, you're shouting and you're, you're, you're praising the Lord with everyone else, and then the next minute after you're done at church, you're testing the limits on how far you can indulge in the flesh until you can get away with it. You, you put a good front on at church, but the Lord reads right through you. Listen, be solid in your faith. Be firm in your faith. If you're going to follow Jesus, follow Jesus with all your heart. Be devoted to him. Don't compromise with the the sinful uh, desires that you may have. See, as believers, if you're a believer this morning, we are called to be uncompromising. If you're a follower of Christ, follow him and leave compromise at the dump. Get rid of it. Listen, there should be no reason for us to entertain compromise. Because of what Jesus has done for us. As I was walking uh, this week, like I was mentioning, I was thinking about all of this sin that, that, that my past life involved and how messed up I was and how far away from God I was. And how when God comes into a life, he completely changes your desires. They are more fulfilling because they're in line with his desires for you. And as I was walking, I literally said this out loud, and I'm pretty sure the neighbors all thought I was goofy. God, keep me away from sin. 
Keep me away from compromise. Let me walk on that narrow path. Help me to stay in line on the path that you've called me to go. Listen, life is short. And you and I don't have time to compromise. So how can I stay away from compromising? Love Jesus. Lean into Jesus. Submit your life to his lordship and stay so close to Jesus. So close that compromising is not even a thought. John 14, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you love Jesus? If you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. And he goes on to say, my commandments are not burdensome. I think so many times when we look at the commands of Jesus, we think, oh, they're too hard. How can I ever do it? You can't. That's the whole point. You've got to trust in the Lord. You've got to rely on him for his strength because his commandments can only be fulfilled when you're walking with him. You can't do it on your own. That's why you need Jesus. Verse 19 through 22, it says, So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, Is this Naomi? She says, don't call me that. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth, uh, the Moabite, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley season. Imagine the conversation on their way back to Bethlehem. This was not a short trip. This was a long trip, and it was all uphill. Uh, So it would have taken them some while to get back to Bethlehem. But can you imagine the conversation? Can, Can you imagine the conversation between Naomi and Ruth? Ruth must have asked a ton of questions. It's like, what's your God like? How how has he been faithful? Because none of these little goofy gods have been faithful to us. How, How? Tell me more about him. And from that journey, Naomi probably unloaded all of what she knew about the the living God. And so they get back into Bethlehem. Bethlehem was not a big city. It was a small city. And the whole city was excited. Naomi's back. But it wasn't just Naomi. It was Ruth. So you can imagine this Gentile coming into this, to Israel and the commotion in the city. Like, who's that other girl? Where'd she come from? All the city was excited. And those who left years ago, they would have, would have been remembered as they came back. But I love this. I, I love the question. In their excitement, the city says, is this Naomi? And Naomi says, don't, no, don't call me that. You have no idea what I've been through. You have no idea all the loss that has occurred because of going to a pagan city. She now turns her name to Mara. You remember what her name meant at first, right? Naomi meant pleasant. But now she is changing her name to be bitter. Why was she bitter? Because of all that had happened In the last 10 years, she changed her name because her time away from God was not pleasant. Let me tell you this. 
any amount of time away from God, there is no pleasure in it. There is no pleasantness in it. It is bitter. It will leave you empty. It will leave you dry. It will leave you unfulfilled. Only in the Lord will you find lasting fulfillment. Anytime we distance ourselves from God, it is never pleasant. But as I close here, what I love about Naomi is this. <laughs> she was real. She was real. In essence, uh, the women of the city in Bethlehem were basically asking, hey, how, how's it going? How was your time in Moab? And she was honest with them. It sucked. It was horrible. It was miserable. I, I didn't want to be there, but I, I don't even know why I was there in the first place. She was real with the situation. I, I think we're pretty good at kind of covering up what we're going through. Somebody will ask you how you're doing, and you'll be like, oh, I'm great. But inside, you're like, uh, no, I'm not doing so great. You know what would freak somebody out is if you actually told them how you were feeling. Then they'd never ask you again. <laughs> but remember from last, last week, it's okay to not be okay. Naomi was not okay. And it's obvious with the name change. She went from pleasant to bitter. But it wasn't because of the Lord. It wasn't towards the Lord, I should say. If she was, I don't think she would have returned back to Bethlehem. Naomi was bitter at the circumstance. She recognized that departing from the Lord caused her to become bitter. Naomi recognized God's hand upon her during affliction and suffering, which we saw evident here. She even says, but, but listen, Naomi was real, but she also realized that God used her affliction and suffering to bring her back to where she should be. Now, how many of us have taken our fill of the world only to realize that it leaves us empty? Only to realize that the only one who can satisfy is the Lord. You know the story of the prodigal son. The son wants his inheritance before uh, the dad dies. He asks his dad, hey, give me, give me all your money. And he does. And what does he do? He wastes it. He wastes it in worldly living. And, and he gets to this point that he's so desperate that he would eat what the pigs were eating. But then he comes to his senses, the Bible says, and he says that he realized his dad's hired servants get fed better than these pigs or, or where he was at in his uh, season. But the result was what? A return to the father. The son was empty upon arrival, and the father said, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is, and is found, and they began to celebrate. He said, bring out the best for him. He's back. And listen, if you've wandered away from the Lord, God is waiting for you. Just like the, the father was waiting for his prodigal son, he was waiting there. And, and what does the Bible say? It says, the father ran to meet his son and kissed him and said, I don't know what else he might have said, but what we have written is that he was happy and overjoyed at the fact that his son was back. And maybe you're feeling empty this morning. Listen, God can fill you up with the things of him. If you come to him by faith, if you acknowledge that Jesus died for your sins, that he is your savior, the only one who can save. So here's the thing. There's something believer and unbeliever need alike. And it's more of Jesus. 
It's more Jesus and less of us, less of, of our flesh, less of our, of our, dis, un, our, our ungodly, un, unhonoring, dishonoring lifestyle. It's less of that. Naomi returned, and there are some of you this morning that need to stop compromising, and you need to set your sights upon the Lord. You need to set your sights upon Jesus. And the Spirit of God, even maybe right now, for those of you that are in here or even watching this morning, the Spirit of God is calling you to come back to the house of bread, just like they came back to Bethlehem. So return home. Come back to the Lord. Acknowledge that you've messed up, that you've made a mistake. And maybe you've wandered away just like Naomi did. It's time to come back to the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, God. Lord, we all have a choice to make. God, you, you've given us free will, free choice. But the scripture says to choose you, to choose life. And the only way that we can choose life is, is to choose it when we realize that life is only in you. Life is not found in the deadness of this world. So Lord, I pray that if, if somebody in here this morning is wrestling with that choice, Lord, I pray that they would just realize that there is no winning when it comes to wrestling with you. Lord, may they surrender and give up and come to you. Lord, I thank you that, that you don't waste our pain, but you use our pain. Lord, I pray that you would remind us that, remind us of that on a daily. That whatever painful situation we might find ourselves in, Lord, we would remember that you're not going to waste what we go through. There may be weeping in the night, but joy comes with the morning. And Lord, help us to be uncompromising in our faith. Lord, we thank you for the book of Ruth, and we pray that you would continue to speak to us through it as we continue to, to journey on. So, Lord, we commit our lives to you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, all, and thank you for checking out this episode of the Gray Avenue Christian Church Podcast. For any more information about who we are, uh, feel free to check out our Facebook and our website. Again, thank you for your support, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a blessed week.